Good morning and welcome to a Saturday morning, October the 23rd episode of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain. And we welcome you again uh, being with us this morning. Um, This morning uh, we will be covering, uh, Pastor will be covering uh, Psalm 119, which if you didn't know it already, is the longest chapter in the Bible with 176 verses. Now, I know that sounds daunting. Uh, However, uh, Psalm 119, and you're about to find out, was written in a certain way um, in order to uh, organize and classify certain parts of what the psalmist David was writing about. Pastor will enlighten us about that. Uh, this happens to be probably your favorite chapter of the Bible, isn't it, is. it, Pastor? It is. Okay. So you're going to get some fantastic information. I hope your pencils are sharpened as well as your minds. And uh, we hope you're open to Psalm 119 already in your Bible. All right. You'll need to follow along with you were also going to be in Second Samuel chapter eleven. Second Samuel chapter eleven will be yeah. We will have to dive in there, won't we? We we just have to. Yep. Uh, there's a spe- specific reason for that. Well, it pinches greatly on Psalm okay. one nineteen. Yeah. And uh, the the message we want to get across to you today, uh, basically, is that uh, I I know that I've felt like this in the past that uh, I had some things maybe in my background and in my past that I didn't think where God could use me uh, or that I was not up to snuff in God's eyes and, and he couldn't use me or maybe uh, things that I did were too egregious for him to use me. And uh, we just want you to know that's not the case. That's not the case. God can still use you. Pastor's going to enlighten us some more on this. So, Pastor, take it away. Yeah, well, I was about to close in prayer because you said just about everything that I wanted, <laughs> wanted to say. Yeah, we, we do these things to uh, educate and to edify uh, believers. And um, uh, we haven't forgotten the fact that what we need to do, uh, because I need this probably as much as anybody else, Uh, today's lesson. Uh, We want to uh, uh, evangelize unbelievers, but we want to encourage believers, and and Curtis touched on it. Um, You have your Bibles open to uh, Psalm 119, and if you have a marker, a ribbon or something, you might want to put it in, um, in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And we'll be in uh, chapter 11 and 12 in Second Samuel and for, for a particular reason. And Kurt touched on what we want to do about, uh, about uh, Psalm 119. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. It is the longest, 176 verses. Wow. wow. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, how it was arranged and uh, then I want to talk about the author, the human author of the Psalm 119. And of course, it was King David. First of all, uh, the, um, uh, 
the Psalm 119 is organized differently than any other chapter in the Bible. Uh, it, Curtis already mentioned there are 176 verses in Psalm it's chapter a, it, 119. It's a long enough chapter to have to be organized. <laughs> <laughs> and so it has to be. And here's how it's organized. There are 22 sections in the book of Psalms. In some Bibles, it's, uh, you've got them divided that way. 22 sections. Now, each section has eight verses. 22 sections, eight verses. Do the math. That's 176 verses. Now, each section, and this is the only chapter in the Bible that does this, each, each section begins with a particular letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Thus, 22 sections of Psalm 119. Uh, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you do the math, eight, eight verses, 22 sections, 176 verses. And I'm right now going to correct a mistake I made in our last podcast with regard to that. I said there were only five verses that don't talk about the Word of God. And, and uh, I've I've done some more study, and uh, and by go by golly, I was wrong. And I those are three words that I hate to say, but uh, <laughs> you you did it rather well there, Fonzie. I did. Okay, <laughs> my wife is giggling because she knows me quite well here. Okay, so uh, I said there were only five verses that didn't mention the Word of God, and I was wrong. There are only three verses because I had forgotten the word ways also refers to the Word of God. So there are only three verses in the, it, out of 176 that do not make a direct reference to the Word of God. This is the most uniquely organized chapter in the Bible. There's not another one like it, and it takes up more pages in your King James Version than any other chapter. Uh, and so there's a lot of things I could say about it. Uh, I could tell you my favorite verses, and we've talked about some of them already. But, but the organization of this of this wonderful, wonderful chapter, uh, which is my favorite one, uh, is just unique and amazing, and it's it's something that only God could do. Now, I believe firmly that God dictated His Word to men, and then He directed them to write down exactly what He said. Uh, and so that's what the Bible is. And I, I do these things from the King James Version, not because I uh, dislike any other versions, although I do dislike some of them. Um, but I want to stay with one version of the Bible because uh, I've looked at some statistics. And do you know that there are over 200 different English translations of the New Testament that are either now imprint or have been imprint. And that's way too much. You lose something in every translation. And that's right. You lose something in every, but so what, what did I do? I, I used to teach from the, from the new King James version. Uh, I've not have, don't have many arguments with that. Although I think it's misnamed. Uh, uh, you can't be the new King James version. 
uh, King James had it translated in England back in the 1600s because there were already too many translations of English language floating around England, and he wanted uh, the country to be united under one. And now we have about 410 years of reliability of a version of the Bible, and it is the King James Version. Yeah. And I and I love it, and uh, I hope you do too. But if you're looking, if, if you're listening, and you're have another version, uh, we're not. <laughs> we're not uh, castigating you or anything. We're just uh, letting you know why we use this version of the Bible. 176 verses, 22 sections, eight verses per section. Only God could have done this. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted you to know how this was organized. And so, um, and and by the way, uh, almost every day of my life, as I study the Bible and my wife will tell you, I, I do it every day of my life. And I've been doing it every day of my life since I was about age 26 or 27. When I, when my kids began to grow up and, and I hadn't lived the Christian life like I should have. And it was about that time uh, in my life over 55 years ago, when I began to look at the Bible every day of my life. I wanted my kids to be saved. I wanted them to be sanctified. I wanted them to know the Word of God. I wanted to memor- I wanted them to memorize verses in the Word of God. Uh, I wanted them to rightly divide the Word of truth and not to be confused about the Word of God. And what did I have to do? I had to study. <laughs> and uh, I think there's not a better chapter in the Bible to study what the Word of God is what the Word of God does. But today we're going to study about who was the human author. And in almost all the Psalms, and I think all of them, 150 of them, were written by uh, King David. And I'm going to tell you a few things about King David. Before we do, um, Curtis uh, kind of hit on it. Uh, all of us have done something in our past that we don't that we're not proud of. Um, I, I have. Curtis has. I'm not going to accuse my wife of that. <laughs> Maybe the thing that 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 uh, bothers her the most is marrying me. I don't know, but no, no she says. <laughs> okay, um, but uh, by the way, my wife told me that. She wouldn't have dated me if I didn't hadn't known the Bible better than she did. And sometimes I wonder if that's still true. But, but nonetheless, uh, that was also another reason for me to get into the Bible regularly. And you should too. And I read something from Psalms 119 about every day of my life. I'm not going to say every day, but just about every day. Because it covers so many subjects. So many, and we're going to talk about one subject uh, in just a few minutes. But let's look at King David. King David, in uh, what was the verse in the book of Acts? Uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Uh, and, and it says that King David was a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. It says that plainly. Plainly. Uh, and uh, and and uh, uh, King David uh, followed a, a bad king 
King Saul, yeah. a lousy king, a mean king, uh, an ungodly king, yeah. and uh, and God had David all chosen uh, to uh, write his scriptures and to be the king of Israel. But let's look at David. Curtis mentioned all of us have something in our past. All of us do. I, I mean, and and a lot of us are letting that thing or things keep us from serving God. And our message today is going to be about um, us not having any excuse to, to serve God. We all can in some way. In subsequent messages, we're going to talk about the gifts of God. We're, we're going to talk about the crowns that can be earned for serving God. Uh, and uh, you'll not want to miss that. Uh, Lucas Doremus is going to touch on that a little bit in his next podcast with us uh, in his uh, uh, lessons on the parables. So without further ado, King David was the author, the human author, the human penman of Psalm chapter 19. Now, if you think... 119. 119, did I say? You said 19. Oh, Psalm 119. 119. I, yeah, do you see that? Uh, I'm. Uh, if the member of my congregation would have done that when I was in the pulpit, I don't know what I'd have done. I'd have probably just said, oh, that's, that's right. Okay. <laughs> but here's what I want you to know about King David. You ready? Yeah. Let's begin reading in verse 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle. We're in 2 Samuel, correct? 2 Samuel, chapter 11. 2 Samuel, chapter 11. I'll give you time to turn there. Okay. My wife has her ribbon there, her marker there, and Curtis is still turning to it. But he'll catch up. He's got a good mind. And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle. Now... Israel was involved in a lot of wars, and you had to have a good leader in a war. You had to have a good king for one thing. Mm -hmm. And it says, um, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still in Jerusalem. He didn't go to the battle. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed. What was he doing in his bed when his, when his people were doing battle? He arose from off his bed and he walked upon the roof of the king's house. It was probably a balcony of some sort or a terrace of some sort that was elevated. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Uh-oh. Now she was washing herself. She probably didn't have much clothing on. <laughs> the woman was very beautiful to look upon. His soldiers were out to war. It's hard to believe some of these things. And David sent and inquired after the woman, verse 3, and one said, "Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of the wife of Uriah the Hittite?" Remembered, 
she was married to a guy named Uriah, and we're going to talk about him in a few moments. And uh, David sent messengers, verse 4, and took her, and she came in unto him, and, and he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. What does that mean? It means that she wasn't having her period. Right. It was all over. And so, uh, and he had sex with her. Now, I don't know if she tried to fight him off or anything. I don't see that in the Bible. I'm just telling you what the Bible said. In verse 5, it says, And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now, here's this woman married to a man named Uriah, who has recently had sex with David, who is not her husband. Now, by the way, Dave, uh, Curtis, Sharon, you know what that makes David, what his sin was. Yeah, he's an adulterer. He was an adulterer. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. The woman conceived and sent and told David, I am with child. And David sent Joab, saying... Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. Now, Uriah didn't know this had happened. Yep. He had no idea. Yep. He'd been out to battle. And when, fighting. That's right. Doing and, the king's business. That's right. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. Tell me how you guys did in the war. And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah, <laughs> who had a beautiful wife, Bathsheba, Uriah, who had been, I don't know how long, in a war. Now listen to this man. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his Lord and went not down to his house. He was still thinking about David and protecting David because he knew what the battle had been like. But Uriah slept at the door. And when they had told uh, David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house. David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down unto thy house? Hoping that he would have had sex with his wife. I'm sorry to say these things, but you know, that's what David was concerned about. He wanted Bathsheba's pregnancy to be blamed on Uriah. Yeah. And it didn't happen. Send him home on leave, and that'll be my that'll be the cover. That'll be the cover. Uriah said unto Daniel, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped on the open fields. Shall I then go into mine house and eat to drink and lie with my wife? As thou livest, I will not do this thing. What character? David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also, and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to fast forward. You can read this for yourself. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. 
He knew Bathsheba was pregnant. Mm -hmm. He wanted Uriah to get the blame for it or to be responsible for it mm -hmm. in that case. And well, Uriah would not. Uh-oh, I've got a problem now with Uriah, says David. I've committed adultery with his wife. And he won't he won't let me use him as a cover. He won't yeah, do he, it the way I want him to do it. He wouldn't go and and uh, and uh, have conjugal a relationship with his wife. Wow. So David told Joab, send a letter to Uriah and send Uriah out to the toughest part of the battle. Send him back into the battle and put him in the front lines. Isn't that something? And and so and so we see that. And then it found out that, uh, my goodness, Uriah was killed in the battle. Well, isn't that just what David wanted? Mm -hmm. He wanted him to be the to be responsible for the pregnancy of Bathsheba. And then he wanted him dead so he couldn't say, no, it wasn't him. He didn't want people thinking that he was responsible. That's right. That people thinking Uriah was responsible. Now, let me tell you what happened. So Uriah gets killed. So now David is not only an adulterer, now he's a murderer. He's guilty of the very least accessory to murder, but he was the one that engineered the murder, even though the even though the enemy killed Uriah. It was David's fault. He was culpable. He was to blame. Let's go to verse 26 of chapter 11. And when the wife of Uriah heard that, Uriah, her husband, was dead. She mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife. He married the woman, and he, and he could still blame the pregnancy on Uriah. Now, isn't that amazing? And you want David to write Psalm 119? You want him to write anything? 150 Psalms? Good grief. An adulterer and a murderer. But the thing that David hath done, hath, the thing that David had done, verse 27 of chapter 11, displeased the Lord. I suspect that's putting it mildly. Mildly. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he yeah. said unto him, and said unto him, uh, he went unto him, he said unto him, there were two men in one day, one was rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb. You think, do you know where Nathan's going with this? Yes. And he said, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. And it did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter, that ewe lamb. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared uh, to take of his own flack and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. But he took the poor man's lamb, just took it. He, the lamb that he loved, part of his family, it slept and ate with his children for crying out loud. And he dressed it for the man that was come to him. Awful thing to do. 
And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. He said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, thou art the man. He said, that's who I'm talking about in this parable. This was you. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed the king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee the master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and I gave thee the house of Israel, of Judah, and, and if it had been too little, I would have moreover have given thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandments of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword and has taken his wife to be thy wife and has slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. And he says, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house. Because thou hast despised me and had taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Wow. I'm not going to read any further. But I want you to know that here's David, an adulterer and a murderer. By the way, if you'll read on in this chapter 12, that child that was born died after seven days, got sick and died. We don't know that child's name. We're not told. It's never mentioned in the Bible. But if you'll read on in chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, You'll see. Mm -hmm. By the way, in that same chapter, uh, Bathsheba did get pregnant again by David. Mm -hmm. And guess who was born? Solomon. Solomon. Who, be, who became Solomon. King Solomon, mm -hmm. who wrote the Song of Solomon and some of the other wisdom literature, a wise and respected King Solomon. We have, we'll have more. Also, uh, his wisdom comes into question on a couple things. But. Yeah, but we won't go into that now because that's not what we're going with this. So here it is. I think we've established the fact scripturally from 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12 that David, the king who knew better, David the king. Isn't there scripture that indicates what happened to the soul of the infant who died? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to go into that yet, but but but, but here's the thing. Um, in, in, in 2 Samuel 23, David the king is dying. Now, there's a whole lot of history between 2 Samuel 12 and 2 Samuel 23. And this is what it says in 2 Samuel 23. Now, these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweetest psalmist of Israel said, the spirit of the Lord spake by me and his word was in my tongue. God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me 
He that ruleth over the men uh, over men must be just, ruling the fear of God. He shall be, and he goes on to, to praise the Lord. And so um, we need to hurry up because we're uh, at towards the end of this first episode, and we're going to continue it in our second episode this morning. But David himself, knowing that he was an adulterer, knowing that he was a murderer, by the way, he got himself right with God. And it said, and he himself said, now here's a dying man who was not a lying man. He said, God spake by me. And he meant this. Psalm 119 and all of the Psalms that David the king wrote were spoken to him by God. Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, to Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so, folks, when we're telling you this word of God, this came from God's mouth, not from our minds. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning, and his work from the beginning was the word of God, the Bible, which is talked about, uh, mentioned over 180 times in Psalm 119. And that's perhaps one of the biggest reasons why I love Psalm 119. It's my favorite chapter. I'm going to tell you just one more thing. I like to do word studies. You folks know that. Curtis knows it. My wife understands it. And we're going to do a study of one particular word that occurs in Psalm 119 nine different times. And with that, we'll close this session and we'll be back in a few minutes.